say? I don't know, you will never buy now. Get a flow, then you better mind out. Can't better my sound. Been the best in my time with the bars, and I'm setting mine down. Letting mine out. Don't step in my back from hard watch, let it find out. Trust, let it Boys, find welcome out. back. Episode 80 of the Booth of You podcast. Thank you for being here. Big episode. Lots to talk about. It's been a couple weeks since we've done an episode, so I'm excited that we are here talking with all of you tonight, Wednesday, July 28th. Uh, so much going on in the sports world. Before we get into the meat of the episode because I, I texted Seth and I said I'm ready to go like right off the bat I'm just I want to jump right in I have some shit to talk and I want to go in but we do have to acknowledge the fact that we reached 5,000 followers on Instagram like we can't just ignore the fact that that happened so big milestone for us 5,000 this is kind of a impromptu celebration of it because we have so much to talk about that we want to get right into the episode but you know it's cool that like we got 5,000 followers and that's a big milestone for all, for all of us here at TBR. Um, so I'm excited by that, you know, news and like the way I see it is like, it's not just like a number count of like followers. Like the way I put it on Instagram was like, we have 5,000 members in our TBR family. Now it's, it's, it's a community of people versus people following us. And that's the relationship. I feel like it's, it's a family at TBR. Uh, to quote Mark Johnson from Miracle, we're a family. So there's 5,057 of us on the Instagram family. And thank you all for, you know, supporting us in what we do. Anything from you, Seth, on that front? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been sitting there, like, kind of monitoring the follower count just because I knew that we were close. Mm-hmm. And we've been sitting at, like, 4,900 and, like, 80 something for a while and so i was waiting and you know we've been pushing out content so much this summer that i was just waiting for it to finally like get over that hump but i mean i mean it's awesome at this point like it's just you know i enjoy doing this so much it's great for me to like you know just get to sit down talk sports and you know do whatever other content that we have going on i love the streaming that we have going on and just you know so for me it's just you know it's it's great to see the following kind of hit that first milestone and you know next is 10k and then after that you know a million and then the move <laughs> right yeah uh just it, same thing for me it's like you know in two and a half years we've gotten to 5,000 instagram followers and like we you know we have a bunch of different platforms too but like instagram's always been like our main hub for just like places where the place where you could find everything tbr and i think that you know, reaching 5,000 followers is just a testament to like the TBR mentality is it's, it's something that, that we all like, like Carp said this, um, I forget when he said it, it was on a podcast, but he was like, you know, we have a good thing going and like, it's just going to keep going. So to hit 5,000, I just think that that speaks volumes about what we're doing and like how our audience, you know, takes in what we're doing and how they receive it and and just the relationship that we have with all of our fans and our listeners and our followers and our viewers or whatever it may be, wherever you find our content. I think that it's just, it's just really cool to hit 5,000. And this is a transition for later in the episode because we're not going to talk about it right now, but I really think that we have Texas and Oklahoma to thank for hitting 5,000 followers because the post that kind of was blown or the posts that were kind of blowing up um, and helped us kind of get over that hump of, of, you know, from like 4.9 K to five was Texas and Oklahoma leaving the big 12 and joining the sec. And then all this talk about the sec mega conference, whatever they're talking about doing. We're going to talk about that later in the episode, but I guess we have Texas and Oklahoma to thank 
for our 5,000 follower mark. Not much else to thank them for, but thank you yeah. at least for uh, <laughs> for helping us reach 5,000 followers. I guess that's that's what I can thank you for. So, yeah, we hit 5,000. I think we'll have a more, like, justified celebration of it and thank you to everybody, but I just wanted to get it out there right now that, like, we have 5,000. Like, thank all of you and just continue to just, like, do what we're doing and do what you're doing. Okay. Now that we're past the probably the shortest intro ever, uh, we went from the longest intro a few episodes ago to now the shortest. I I need to talk about the Olympics. I, I need to. So I am an Olympics nut. I love the Olympics. Like, I get Olympic fever, summer or winter. I don't have a preference. I love the Olympics. I First of all, I just can't get into it this year. It's it's severely boring, in my opinion. With no fans there, it sucks to watch. It's so boring. I feel like I just don't know when anything's on. Like, I feel like in years past, it's like, oh, you know, this person from the U.S. is swimming at this time, or the basketball team is playing this time. I haven't heard anything. It's just been happening, like, without my knowledge. And I haven't seen any, like, promotion from, like, whatever. Like, oh, tune in today at 3 to see this person. It just happens. And then I get the notification after, like, oh, Katie Ledecky wins gold or whatever, or, like, misses out on whatever it is. It just feels like it's happening without me knowing about it. So I'm not really that tuned into the Olympics this year. So I'll preface this whole thing by saying that. I have not been watching the Olympics. I've been watching, like, when it's on. But usually I'm, like, dialed in for, like, two weeks, like, wearing the American flag and painting my face for two weeks straight, watching every single Olympic event. And that's just not me this year. So there's been a lot of bullshit, and we've talked about it on the show before, surrounding athletes and their softness. So Simone Biles, who is, like, the premier gy- American gymnast, she is, like, the one. Um, she withdraws from the Olympics a couple days ago, citing like mental health reasons and like stress and all of that. I'm going to preface this whole thing by saying that in no way do I, do I think that those aren't real issues. Like I think that people, especially myself should take mental health very seriously. And like mental health concerns, I feel like should be taken very seriously. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be. Here's my issue. The Olympics happen once every four years. That's it. That's your one shot. Once every four years, the Olympics happens. For you to quit on your team this late in the game for, in my opinion, petty bullshit, mundane reasons, that to me is so cowardly. I I have no respect. It'd be, okay, so it's one thing for like, LeBron to like take load management or whatever in the middle of an 82 game NBA season that happens every single year for LeBron to miss a few games. Yeah. I'd like call him like a bitch or whatever, but like, it's not the end of the world. If LeBron's like, Oh, I need a few games to like, you know, rest. They do it all the time in the NBA and the MLB too. 162 game season happens every year. Players need rest. I understand that the Olympics happen once every four years and the, event like the stuff that they do is like 90 seconds max you're telling me that you couldn't muster up the mental edge and the mental toughness to just finish it out like like and i saw the interview too when she was someone was asking her like oh like what's the problem and she's like oh like we're just really like stressed out and everything 
Fuck your stress, Simone Biles. Honestly, the Olympics happen once every four years. Like, man up and and and, and go go finish your. What, I don't even know what they the gymnastic routines or whatever. I just and I just think it's selfish to quit on the team because it's not like she was just withdrawing as an individual. She's a part of the team event too, and just she's a she's like the best on the team, and she just quit on the team after already starting. It's like in my opinion, like Tuca in the bubble last year. Like, and people say that there was like an emerge, a family emergency that happened with that. But I don't know. We'll never really know. But it's just like, don't start if you, if you are just going to quit halfway through and know you can't finish for a reason that, that isn't good enough. I think the only reason you should quit in the Olympics this far down the line is if you have a significant injury that keeps you out of your event physically. Like you cannot physically participate anymore. You look at, and I know that the gymnast from like the nineties who like broke her ankle when she did the routine, she came out and supported Simone Biles. But like, I saw a video of someone comparing the two, like that woman was literally doing gymnastics on a broken ankle, like couldn't stand on her own two feet and finish. Simone Biles is stressed and is dropping out of the Olympics. I just apples and oranges, in my opinion, like, yeah, I mean, so I've got a couple of thoughts on it. First off, I'd be more upset with her if she didn't also drop out of the individual competition, which she did. So she announced that she was not going to participate in, I don't know which individual competition it was, but whatever it was, she said she wasn't going to do that. So if she had dropped out of the team and then stayed in the individual, I would have been a little bit peeved by that. Oh, that would have set me off the edge yeah <laughs> and then the other thing that i have is like so she's actually you know i saw someone like tweeted like you know to all of you people who are saying that Simone Biles isn't tough she's competed on broken feet and broken toes and sprained this and sprained that so how you know she's plenty tough and i'm in my mind i'm like all you're doing is making a further argument as to why she should have right <laughs> because if she's been able to, in the past, go through and perform through all of these injuries, I would think that she could handle a little bit of pressure. And look, it, it, it'd be different if everybody was just heaping all of this pressure. Because look, Simone Biles is the greatest female gymnastic Olympian of all time. Like, yeah. I think that's undisputed. There's no if, ands, or I would say male or female. I would say across both. Genders. Yeah, pro- probably across both. I can't I'm, I'm, name a male gymnast. Yeah, to be fair, I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, it's not like everyone's just, you know, out of pocket saying, oh, she's the GOAT and putting all this pressure on her and saying, like, you know, she's so good. We expect all these things from her because she expects it from herself. Like, she, she literally said in an interview that they changed the rules because she was too good. Right? Like, so if you if you are that confident in your abilities – I don't see having a little bit of pressure as being an issue for you to go out there and just do your routine. You know, it'd be different if it was the first round of the team thing and she was like, I can't do this. I'm sorry. Right. But this is the final round. Like this is going for gold. And that's where I think it differs a little bit from the Tuca situation because Tuca left early. And also, if we're being completely honest, the Bruins weren't going to end up winning the cup that year, even with a stellar Tuca. So, like, it wasn't going to matter. But, like, it'd be different if Tuca all of a sudden in the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals was like, no, I'm leaving, right? Like, it'd be, right. It, it'd be different, right? Because it's, it's just a different situation. So th- that's, that's the part of me that's like, well, 
you're telling me, because I feel like even with all of the stress and anxiety, and look, every Olympian, I guarantee you, has heightened stress and anxiety because they're sleeping on those weird cardboard beds. And to- Japan has been awful with COVID. Like, just the COVID numbers are crazy high. So, you know, if I was an Olympian, I think I would also be a little bit on edge. But if I'm an Olympian who not only has been doing this my whole life, but I've been to multiple Olympics and won gold medals on gold medals on gold medals. I feel like I would have the ability to go out there and perform, even if I was feeling a little bit crappy all day mentally. Like, I just think that there's, you know, little excuse for just flaking out like that because you were like, well, I felt a little bit of pressure. Like, dude, Michael Jordan would never think about about, now granted he's like a different animal right like he he would manufacture situations in order to get himself going and pumped up to perform but if michael jordan ever felt anxious before a game and like to feel anxious is to be human right like there's no way that you can get through life and never have an anxiety ridden moment and i saw jeremy lynn say something about it too where he was like you know like during lean sanity, right? Like he was already like always before that, like super anxious before games. And then all of, and his exact quote was all of a sudden I was the most popular person on the planet, which is true for a two week, three week span. He was yeah, literally he was the, the greatest most popular NBA person on the planet. In the league. Yeah. <laughs> the difference between Jeremy Lynn and Simone Biles is Jeremy Lynn was freaking the fuck out and he still went out there and performed. And he's, you know, right. he's still going out there and dropping 30 points. Like, dude was still ridiculous, even though he was fighting through this. So, you know, I just, to me, it can be scary when you have these moments. And, you know, she's definitely not used to it, right? Because she's so confident in her ability that she's not used to showing up to an event and feeling, you know, worried and anxious and whatever. But at the same time, like, if this is something that hasn't been a constant issue for you, you're telling me you can't get through it once? Like, you've gone through all these... Right. Like, like, why all of a sudden is it an issue? Yeah. All of the adversity. Like, we're talking... Like, these people spend their entire lives preparing for this. And it's not like there's a professional gymnastics league in the United States. The one... If you are a gymnast, the one thing that you want to do is to, to perform at the Olympics. That's it. Yep. That's only thing you're looking to do when all of a sudden she can't even do that like it's just to me it feels weird and off i think the issue with this whole thing too is that society has just been coddling these athletes who have these these really minuscule issues that like millions of people would trade places with them in a second to be in their shoes and to be able to compete like you're telling me like here's here's the other thing that like i i this what bothers me is that Obviously, Simone Biles is a shoe-in for the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team. Like, that, obviously, she's not going to, like, not make the team in, like, the trials or whatever. But, like, what about, like, that that gymnast who was, like, the last cut, you know? Right. Who would, who would probably give anything to, you know, the Ralph Cox of, of Olympic gymnasts who would give anything to be competing for a gold medal right now. And Simone Biles is like, oh, I'm really stressed out. I'm just going to dip if, if that's good with you guys. It's, and... and it's just the overwhelming support is what bothers me too. Like, it's kind of weird for me to say, and like, whatever you could say that it's a little like demonic for me to say that. Like, I don't understand why so many people are just okay with this. So being the Instagram commenter that I am, I had to jump into the fray. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, 
what I'm saying and a lot of not what I'm saying on Instagram. And I, you know, haven't really said much about it, but five minutes, not five minutes ago, uh, right. Five minutes before we started this episode, um, Justin Bieber came out and was like, I've never met you, Simone Biles, but like, good on you for, you know, doing what you're doing and like major support. First of all, why the fuck does Justin Bieber need to get involved in this? He it's, it's, that's the issue to me is like people who like aren't involved at all involving themselves because they want that good PR. Oh, Justin Bieber's such a good guy. Like he backed Simone Biles. Like it, it's so dumb to me. I feel everyone's just, it's a publicity stunt through and through. I think yeah, everyone's to, trying to get their good PR to me. Like, Michael Phelps saying something about it makes sense, right? Because he's an Olympic athlete, yeah. Because he's an Olympic athlete, and not only is he an Olympic athlete, he is the greatest American Olympian of all time. Like, that's just undisputed, right? He's the dude that's so Like, he's unbelievable. He's an unbelievable athlete. So, like, if anybody was to understand what she was going through, it would be Michael Phelps, right? Like, that's just, like, the guy that would know. But then you see, like... If if you are a singer, like I don't, or, or a, a Canadian singer, yeah, that I is might add. <laughs> he's not even from here. <laughs> he's like, yes, Team USA. Like the fuck, I get what you're saying though. It's like it doesn't make sense for he's a he's a Canadian pop singer who is all of a sudden commenting on an American Olympic gymnast. There's no, they've never met. He made it very clear that they don't know each other. So like. There's no correlation at all, Justin Bieber. Why are you? Why do you care? Why? Why do you care about what's going on? And why do you need to share your thoughts with the world? Because he wants good publicity. So someone reposted the Justin Bieber thing, and um, apparently he was like, "Don't listen to all the bad comments or whatever." That's it. He threw that in there at some point. He was like, "Don't listen to you know all the backlash," which is like, i.e., Brendan Willett. So someone comments like, and this is a non-sports page too. So this is how you know these people aren't necessarily tapped in. This is a news page. It's not a sports page. Um, so and it's and it's geared. I would I would probably say that their demographic, their target audience, is mostly female. This account. Um, I, that's just my guess based on like the content that they post. That their demographic is probably larger population female than male. So. Someone comments, I haven't seen anything bad about Simone, so not sure what the what the comment about the media is. Um, and then someone replies, it's more people in the comments, not necessarily the media. The media has been pretty supportive. It's shitty people who are being assholes, acting like there aren't three other people on the team. So I jump into the fray at that one. I say... The Olympics happen once every four years. There should be no excuse aside from a serious injury to withdraw at such a late stage. It's selfish. Because, like, this is someone who's taking a pretty complex issue and dumbing it down to the sense that it doesn't make sense. She, she this, this, this girl was, like, shitty people who are acting like there aren't three other people on the team. Three other people on a gymnastics team. You, you just lost your best gymnast. The, the, the number one gymnast just dropped out of the, the Olympics. Right, that and that will- also means that <laughs> someone who, like, an alternate now has to step up. Right. right, right. So, someone who and, you know, I'm not fully familiar with how the gymnastics rounds go, but as far as I can tell, there's three rounds, I think. I have so, no idea. So the other ones are like already warmed up. They've gone through their multiple rounds. Now, granted, if you're an alternate, like you're ready for anything. Right. Like these are actual Olympic athletes. Like they're definitely like 
as ready as they possibly can be, but they're still going to be cold, right? Like you warm up for a baseball game and you don't start. And then all of a sudden you're called in to pinch it in the seventh inning when it's 60 degrees out with a minus 15 wind chill. Like you're not going to perform as great as you would if you had been playing for the previous, you know, six innings or whatever. Right. Right. And the other thing too, that I'm bothered by the people are acting like there aren't three other people on the team common is like, Okay, well, let's take the Boston Red Sox, for example, because, you know, Boston. Um, Let's say that, you know, Alex Verdugo, who is probably one of the hotter players on the Sox right now, goes goes down with an injury. That It would be like someone saying, no, guys, it's all good. We have Franchi Cordero to replace him. Like, you're not, it's not a one for one. Like, this, this girl just thinks like, oh, it's all good. There's three other people on the team. It's not a strength in numbers situation. It's talent. You just lost your best gymnast who is not replaceable. Yes, there are physical other bodies who are going to step in her place, but in no way are they as talented as she is. So it's just dumb to be like, oh, it's all good. There's three other people. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, three other people who are not on her level at all. The three of them probably don't compare to her. The three of them combined don't compare to one Simone Biles. So... She goes, you must have no idea how mental health works, Lamafo. What the fuck is wrong with you? So, I mean, I think I have a pretty good idea of how mental health works. Um, and I think I know it well enough to know that it shouldn't impact something like this. So, and then she doubles down before I have the chance to respond. She goes, oh, you're a man. I bet you if that was a guy, you would be fine with it. First of all, no. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, just, I think we've been pretty clear about this <laughs> that we don't a crap what your race, your gender, your nationality, or your sexuality is. If you fuck up, we're going to give you shit. Right. Go and listen to, like, the, the last few episodes where I ring out LeBron James for a half hour straight. <laughs> <laughs> I have such a beef, but, like, I feel like if it was a guy, I'd be harder on him. Also, <laughs> like, Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah, we, fuck Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Like, like, and that's the thing, too. Like, people want to say, well, LeBron James is a black person, so is Simone Biles. Aaron Rodgers! You're going to give Aaron Rodgers that, too. Like, I will give you, if you fuck up, or if I think you're doing something wrong, or you go against my beliefs in terms of the sports world, I'm going to ring you out on this podcast. It's just, and I like Simone Biles, too. Same thing that, who are we talking about? The, the, the Olympic runner. We were talking about her. Again, I wasn't, I wasn't ringing her out. I was ringing out the people who were trying to support her. Granted, this is a little more targeted Simone Biles because I think she made a bad decision. Right. But it's, I don't care who you are. If you, if you, if you fuck up, I'm going to call you out on it. And it's very clear that I wouldn't have had the, I wouldn't have had a different reaction if it were a guy because go and listen to any other fucking podcast episode that we do. I, I ring guys out for a living on this podcast. So wrong. And then she goes, mental health comes first. Also not true. I don't think mental health comes first in this particular situation. I don't think that it comes first, especially like you said, if it wasn't a problem before the Olympics and it wasn't a problem in the first few rounds of the gymnastic round playoff, whatever, then why is it a problem when you reach the the medal rounds? It shouldn't be. I don't think it comes first at that situation. I think that there's I've just I've seen athletes suck it up. This is your job. Like, you're getting paid to do this. Not to mention, like you said, 
There is no professional gymnastics league that anyone cares about in the U.S. If there is one, I can guarantee you that no one knows about it. This is the one time for gymnasts to shot is on the Olympic stage. So the fact that you are willing to sacrifice winning a gold medal for your country in a sport that is widely unpopular outside of the Olympics for stress is beyond me. That's beyond me. And then she goes, this, this set I think is probably the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Do you not understand if she is not in the right headspace, she could literally die. Explain to me how she would die. I mean, I guess theoretically, if she tried what, to if she like split, landed, she on, her landed head? on her head or, and or like or fell off the stage or something and landed on her head, like it could happen. But that seems a little dramatic to me. It, it, yeah, she it, could die. I mean, technically, I anyone could die at any moment doing anything. If I were to take this microphone and stab myself in the trachea 30 times in a row, I would probably die. So, like, right now, Seth, there's potential for me to die while recording this podcast. Not going to happen. Knock on wood. <laughs> but, like, you could say that about anything. Like, oh, he could die. Seth, you could die right now. Like, anyone could die right, right now. Yeah. But, But, no, I don't think that her mental health has an impact on on her ability to perform gymnastics without fatal injury i i would yeah, i think I, that's a leap that i can such make such a high level that she couldn't mess up that badly like i feel like you would have to put an eye patch on her and handcuff both of her arms behind her back and then put shackles on her legs for her to mess up that badly. Like, I think she's so coordinated that even being as distracted as she certainly could have been, it yes. wouldn't have made that much of a but, but in this girl's eyes, mental health is more dangerous than any physical restraint that you could put on a gymnast. Yes. Uh, and then she goes, she is flipping in the fucking air. I'm not even going to waste my time arguing because you are wrong. So I said, wonderful. First of all, a lot to unpack there. I go, no, if it was a guy, I'd feel the exact same way. No implicit bias at all. I just feel that there's no excuse good enough to quit on your country during the Olympics unless you are physically unable to perform. Simple. That's what I said. That's a clean-cut response right there. Then she gets pissed. All caps. All caps response. She physically couldn't perform in all caps. That's false. She could. She did it for, like... X amount of rounds before this became an issue. She literally, she physically could perform. Yes. Mentally, she couldn't. Could she physically still perform? Yes. She didn't have any injuries that were keeping her out of performance in terms of like doctors shut her down. It was like, you can't participate anymore. So, so wrong, random internet commenter. She could physically still perform. She goes, do you realize how fucking hard the shit she is doing is? If she isn't a single ounce of distracted, she puts her life at risk. That's not English. Uh, you'll survive that she... Holy crap, this is bad English. I didn't even read this part. <laughs> you'll, sur you'll survive that she pulled out. Oh, she's saying, I'm going to survive. She's like, it's not going to affect my life. She goes, you'll survive that she pulled out. I don't know. 
How dare you look down on someone and hate on them for taking care of their health? You have some seriously fucked up values, dude. She spelled seriously wrong. Nice. Um, first of all, bold of her to assume that I'm a guy, even though I am. Bold of her to, to, to make the leap that I am a guy. How dare you assume my gender? After, after claiming that I'm sexist. Yes. Bold of her to assume that I'm a guy. Second off, I don't even know what the argument was there. She was like, oh, she might die. You'll survive. <laughs> it just, it took such a, such a left turn. And it went from like, oh, like her mental health is important to like, she would die and you, and you are going to survive. That's the gist. She goes, she physically couldn't perform. Do you realize how fucking hard the shit she's doing is? If she isn't a single ounce distracted, she puts her life at risk. You'll survive. How dare you look down on her? I don't know. I don't have the time to, I'd rather argue with like a wicked intelligent person who brings up good points and like a good debater and everything. This woman is a dunce. I, I can't deal with these people anymore. This I don't is know. <laughs> social media, uh, the social media. Oh, apparently, is, apparently Ferulo's here, too. Oh, wild. So I'm not even going to wait for him to talk about this. Um, I'll just wait for him to walk in, and then I think we'll just, like, move on. But, um, I mean, so much has happened in the NHL since we started this. Yeah. Uh, Bruins just signed uh, Olmark, Linus Olmark. Oh, What? I think is a really good signing. If you I ask. didn't even know that. Yeah, they, they signed him while you were ranting. Um, Sick. So I don't know what the terms are yet, but it's clearly a um, looks. So, uh, it's clearly you know a to fill the void of Tuca, who's going to be out for the next so, five to six months. And Tuca also won't resign. I don't think. No, no. Uh, he, he said you he think so. I think he comes back on a one-year, like, $2 million deal because he's only going to play for... So you think Allmark to start or Swayman to start? Oh, Allmark will for sure be the starter. It, it will really? platoon it. They'll platoon it, I think. It, it's going to be... I think Allmark... If, if Swayman get... is in the form that he was in this year, I see no reason why you wouldn't start him. No, I say you start with Allmark as the number one, and then as we go through the season, you know... You try to give them close to even games, like, you know, probably like a 55-45 split of the games. And then, you know, maybe 20 games in, if it's just so clear that Swayman has been playing unbelievable, then you just make him the normal starting goalie and you run him for as much as you can. But I really, you know, I prefer to see Allmark just because, you know, he's still young, right? He's 27. Um but he's still got a lot more experience than Swayman does. So especially come playoff time in the event that Tuca has some sort of a setback or he just decides that he doesn't want to play this season or whatever it is, you know, they'll be okay. But I'm yeah. hoping so the only issue that I can foresee right now is so depending, you know, obviously we don't know what the Allmark deals are or, or um, terms are, right? Before the Allmark, deal and not including the Felino deal we had 10 million in cap yeah so i'm gonna assume that um allmark is gonna end up getting at least um two and a half it's probably gonna be higher than that right yeah. i mean 
you're looking at that's what we're talking about right now. And Felino Felino is rumored to be close to four million. It, it he's supposed to be in the high um high three million range, right? So he's going to get paid more than DeBrusque, right? So that's you know we're going to assume around seven million. So that only leaves us with three million to sign both Krejci and Rask which is further proof based on the other moves that they made that DeBrusque is probably on the way out because they're going to need to clear cap room. So what I'm hoping is going to happen, and honestly what I can see foresee happening, is Tuca signs a one-year $2 million deal before the season starts and then you know does his rehab within the organization, and they hopefully get Krejci on a one-year you know, three-and-a-half-ish, $4 million deal whatever he decides to settle on. Hopefully he can come back for less than that, but you know, who knows? Cause there's also rumors that he wants to just go back to the Czech Republic and play there. So, you know, but the, the only reason why I say Rask signs before the season is if Rask signs, you know, so he's out five to six months and he just had the surgery, right? So it is currently August. No, it's not. It's July. It's almost August. It's, it's been, August in like a week. It, yeah. Yeah, it's basically August because it's July 28th, right? There's only three more days in July, right? So he's out for all of August, September, October, November, December, January, right? So if they bring him back on the cautious side, he won't start until February, right? And the season starts in October. So he's going to end up being more than halfway through. So if you sign him to a $2 million deal in February when he's finally fully cleared to return – that cap hit's going to end up being like $5 million, $6 million. I don't think they're going to have the cap room to do that. So that's why I think if they do get a deal done for cheap money, it's going to have to happen before the season starts. Yeah, that's a good analysis. Farul is here, by the way. Um, Seth could see that, but the people who are listening can't. Farul, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? Um, I'm fantastic. Thanks. So I guess, yeah, we'll transition. To that's all I have to say. A little bit. What, Seth? I said you're a bitch. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so, yeah, I think the Bruins today actually made some pretty decent moves. Uh, the news about Tuca came out earlier this morning um, that he's going to well, be out until pretty out much January, January, right? Yeah, so he's out He's out until through at a minimum December. December would be like the after December is over would be the earliest he could possibly come back. Mm-hmm. But also part of this that plays in really handy for the Bruins is say he's not available until that January spot, the Bruins go almost four weeks, I want to say, without a game. I think it's three. Is it in February? In February. Because of the Olympics. Yeah, because they've got that. That's right. That's what the break is. I was wondering what that break is, right? So the Olympic break could be huge for that because that means that he gets that extra time to be really full go. And, you know, Say he comes back and he's just regular Tuca again, he could take a heavy amount of the load down the stretch to make sure that he's ready for playoffs and he'll be super fresh come playoff time. Like that could really help out with the, you know, with his injury and with the Bruins. That could actually play out really well for us. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think they made some good moves today. I mean, you lost Corrali, which I think was pretty much expected. Like, I think we knew. On a four-year deal, was I don't think they were ever going to bring him back on a four-year deal. I don't know what the cap hit is on it, but I don't think they were going to give him a four-year deal. No, and he's one of those guys that like you, you hate to see go because he's so like Boston. Like yeah. he was a very good character guy, and he could score, and and he had some great moments for us during the 
the 19 cup run. And even this year in the playoffs, he was kind of back and forth um, regular season wise, but he was definitely a great role player. And it, like, it sucks losing him. But then at the same time, you, you, you made some really good signings today. I, in my opinion, like getting Eric Holla, I think that's huge. Getting Foligno, I didn't even know he was on our radar. That's huge. Um, the Allmark thing for, for, you know, on the back end for the goalie just broke. So, you know, it's, it's still fresh, but you made some really, the, the other guy, Nosek from, from Vegas. He's good. He's no, good. Nosek's a big one too. So, so the, that, that's part of the reason, right? Why I say that Jake DeBrusque is probably getting moved just because you signed three left shot forwards in a single day, right? Yeah. Like it, it's just the, the logistics don't work out. Cause say, you know, realistically, I would say Nosek is probably going to be fourth line left wing. I would imagine it's going to be Nosek, Lazar, and then plug and play Wagner and Frederick, depending on how they decide to do that. I would imagine Frederick's going to take the leap this year and end up getting more playing time than Wagner, but, you know, who knows? Um, And then third line, what I think is really interesting is potentially having um, Coyle play right wing. And then you can put Felino in as the center and Howla also plays center. Um, so, you know, you could put in whichever one you want there, theoretically. I mean, I, I don't know a ton about Nick Felino. I mean, I've looked over his stats and statistically he's a better faceoff guy than Coyle. So that's all I really know about him. So that would be the only reason why I would say, you know, put Felino in the dot. But for all I know, you know, I'm not a hockey scout, right? So the Bruins coaching staff will know exactly where to put him to best utilize him. I mean, if Flino can put up half of his production from the 17-18 season, 17-18 he had like almost 30 goals and I want to say 12 assists playing in Columbus. Like he was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so like if we could get half of that production, I think that'd be great for the third line and you know great for some depth scoring. I think people are going to underrate the four-board signing because um, I think that really rounds out the defense because now you've got Grizzlick and McAvoy as the top pairing and then likely Riley and Carlo, which people keep on calling Riley soft, but he's... No, a, I li- yeah, I'm big on Riley. I like him. I, I think him paired with Carlo in that on that second D pairing will be really effective. Right, because even if, you know, even if you want to say that he's physically you know, not a really super imposing physical force. Why would that be any different than having Tory Krug there? Like, obviously he doesn't put up the same offensive numbers that Krug was putting up, but Krug was playing just fine next to Carlo. I don't see why Riley wouldn't be able to put up the, you know, a good enough amount of production and be strong enough defensively. Like, I don't think there was any indication that he wasn't good enough. Like I've thought short of Grizzlick and McAvoy, he was our most consistent defenseman in the playoffs this year. Like I, th- I feel like he was. I was less annoyed with him than I was with anyone else for the most part. Um, and then Forbort to plug and you know put him down on that third line. Like it's a decent. I think that's decent. Like obviously, I would prefer to see them end up with Riley on the third line and then bring in like a really solidified top four defenseman. But I think we'll be okay the way it is right now. Yeah. Um, I just, it, the one, and it's not like a sour taste that I have. I think it's just like, 
again, you read into all the rumors and you see all these things that have been coming out in the past few weeks. Like, oh, the Bruins are interested in this guy or, you know, they're on the verge of signing this guy. Talking about on the back end, that lefty spot. I don't know how close any of those rumors really were, but like guys like Alec Martinez, like Ryan Suter, you know, you missed out on those guys. But again, we don't really know how close they were on their tails. Well, that could have just been like bullshit, like rumors that came out. So Martinez, Martinez, we know how close they were. They offered more money than Vegas did. They offered three by 16 and Vegas ended up signing him to three fifteen seventy five, I believe. So they offered him more money to come here, but he really wanted to play in Vegas. Like he wanted to stay. So that was it. Was yeah, and I, I guess that's better too than losing out on a different team, right? He just right. he just resigned he, with them. He just so want, like, yeah, that's exactly. Wanted to stay with the team he was with, so that's fine. The um, the shooter one, I am perfectly okay with because he's got four years. Like uh, he's going to get bought out of that contract in year two. Like it's it's just not. I don't know why you're signing a guy who just got bought out of a contract to a four year deal. He's like thirty five years old. Like what? Like what? What are you? What are you doing? Like what are we doing there? Like that doesn't make any sense. But that's not even the worst deal of today. Because the worst deal of today is seven years, sixty three million for Dougie Hamilton <laughs> to go to fucking. That's such Jersey. a good deal. That, that just became official seven minutes ago. Yeah, Pardon. I saw that on Bleacher. That's a horrible fucking deal. Well, well, first of all, he's not good. So let me just throw it out there. Dougie Hamilton's not good. He's he's probably the most overrated defenseman in the league, in my opinion. I think he sucks. Horrible puck handling ability. He's not good. Like also, I never, I've never seen like, oh yeah, like great defender. He got that that playoff series that they played against the Capitals a couple years ago. He got, turned so many times by some like third fourth line guys i think he's really weak on the puck like i don't know what the hype is his size that's probably that's probably the only thing going for him is he's big yeah i mean he put up some good numbers in boston but i just don't i don't know he i mean and he's certainly like he's able to fill up a statue i just i've never looked at him and been like oh he's an amazing player so can we talk for a second about the blackhawks Cause, cause I want to applaud whoever the fuck is is doing these trades for the Blackhawks. Yeah, I don't. Man, are they winning? Yes. <laughs> Holy shit! We posed on TBR yesterday because I was it was like I couldn't even fathom what was going on, but we'll talk about it right now. Granted, I don't think Flurry's going to end up playing for them, but the Chicago Blackhawks managed to acquire. First of all, I mean, say what you will about Flurry, he won the Vesna, so like. I, I, I was talking to like to Cam Brown yesterday, who, by the way, I think Cam Brown is the biggest NHL player hater I've ever met. <laughs> he he is convinced that NHL players are not good. Like I was talking to him about, and granted, there's like back and forth or whatever about some of the kids who got drafted in the NHL. Like we played against them, like we know them, whatever. Some of the kids who were in this draft class, and Cam was trying to convince me that they were like dog shit. And, and like, he hates Flurry for some reason. And I was like, well, Brownie, he did win the Vesna. He's, the Vesna. he's like, he's not good. It's like, well, he has to be. He's in the NHL. He just won the Vesna. So say what you will about Flurry. I know that, like, he gets heat for some reason for, like, being too old or whatever. But he just won the Vesna. So the Chicago Blackhawks managed to acquire, um, what's his fucking, who was the other guy in the trade? Why am I blanking? Tyler Johnson. Thank you. 
they were able to acquire Mark Andre Fleury and Tyler Johnson and give up zero players. Yeah, it's just crazy. I don't understand the flurry one. Like, that was the most confusing to me from two standpoints. It, that's never happened before in the history of the NHL. A player gets traded and is going to stay with the team that traded him. Yeah, it's like that That really confuses me. I also don't understand how that technically, like, like, are the Blackhawks allowed to call him up? Like, how does, like, I don't. Like, it shouldn't, right, it shouldn't work. Like, it shouldn't, this doesn't make sense. It was literally the biggest fuck you to Marc-Andre Fleury ever from Vegas. They were like, you know what? We're going to trade you for a player, but we don't even want the player. We'll take his contract and we'll take his rights, but Chicago, just keep him. Like, we don't even need him. They literally just dumped Fleury. Like, they would have been better off cutting him at that point. Like, they literally trade him to Chicago for a bag of potato chips, which was the biggest F you to the the defending Vesna Trophy winner I've ever seen. First of all, I don't know why they got rid of him. I, I, I take him over Robin Leonard any day of the week. But the fact that they did it in the manner that they did it in was ridiculously disrespectful to Marc-Andre Fleury. But shout out to the Chicago Blackhawks for getting Marc-Andre Fleury and Tyler Johnson. Marc-Andre Fleury, Vesna Trophy winner. Tyler Johnson, very capable, very shifty, very talented forward who at one time was the premier player for the Tampa Bay Lightning before they went 18 million over the cap and when Steven Stamkos got injured. Tyler Johnson was the premier player in Tampa Bay. He is now a Chicago Blackhawk in exchange for a retired player, which is another insane move by the Chicago Blackhawks. They literally just got Tyler Johnson in exchange for someone who retired this year. How that works? No idea. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Linus Olmark, four years, five million per. Back boy. Really? Ferullo is... Uh, in uh, Warrior. Ferullo's showing me a picture right now. Well, he's been in Boston because he's been home. But well, like, I know, but why the fuck? Jack, Jack Eichel is apparently at Warrior Ice Arena skating with some Bruins players today. I mean, that's normal. It, you went to BU. If yeah, you just and they don't. Just that's not that that's normal. No, no, no. It's <laughs> local, but at the same time, like, they don't have the money to sign him right now either. They Even don't, if, but that's no, the Bruins practice arena. Is, now, that, now that we signed Allmark, it is, I don't think it's possible for us to get Eichel because you would have to trade DeBrusque. You would have to trade more and that yeah, would clear up Krejci too. Uh, yeah, I guess Krejci, it's like Nolan Chari's there yeah. too, Jimmy VC. Okay. These yeah. are all guys it's like, just Boston guys. Like, well, Marshall. No, well, Yip played for um BU too. Like it's a ton of B although Tory Krug was there too, which is weird. That is weird. They're, they're that's just friends. a that's a weird they played together. Like Krug No, I know, but like at the Bruins practice that'd be like Tom Brady showing up at Gillette tomorrow and working out with like uh well, Nelson Aguilar. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of weird. While when you're still on another team, you are skating with rival opponents at a rival team's. Yeah, but guys, that's 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 normal. Guys work out together all the time. Working, I feel like this is like this is the in the Bruins practice facility. Look, man, if this shit happens, I will be. No, so I don't think it's gonna happen. I just think it's weird no, that all those guys, I, like Nolachari, was there so, too. So what I'll say, that's Seth, just weird. Seth, what I'll say is, like, I don't think he's coming to Boston this year, but I would be surprised if he didn't come to Boston at some point in his career. I don't want. Yeah, him. I mean, at some point in his career, he keeps saying how he wants to be home. Is, the thing that I never really considered was Buffalo retaining salary. 
Yeah. Right? Because when you think yeah. about it, if they retain a bunch of salary, it's actually going to be really easy for the Bruins to trade for him. Because they literally, so uh, allegedly, what they're asking they for is four first-round caliber assets, right? So that means picks and prospects. So DeBrusque fits first-round caliber, I would say. Yes. Then you're adding maybe Vakaninen, maybe Studnicka. You know, who, I'd, I'd prefer not to give up Stanika because I think that he looked good in stretches last year, and if you can put it together, you can. I think he'll be solid. But so you know, maybe it's Stanika instead of Vakanainen, and then two first round picks for Jack Eichel. Like it doesn't seem that far fetched, but apparently all of the trade talks are like really dry right now because teams don't want to do it. But I think that what that means is that teams aren't going to pay four first round assets for Eichel because they know that he wants out. And they think that there's no leverage. But he also, I think, has to have surgery that I think he hasn't had yet. So I don't know how long he's going to be out, which is also another factor. I don't want him. Like, like I'll be the I'll be the first to say I don't want him. Um, if, we can, if we can do it by keeping the roster together, I'd be for it in a sense. But the thing that concerns me is McAvoy is going to get nine million next year per year. Um, Bergeron's a free agent after this year. Poss is the free agent after next year. Um, Grizzly Steel, I think, comes up soon. But then Frederick is going to eventually need a pay bump. Frederick know. might get traded. Really? I've, I, I've seen his name kind of floated around in a lot of packages for guys. Granted, I don't know how aggressive the Bruins are going to be after the day they had today in terms of going after guys like I, they're going to unload DeBrusque and they're going to unload here and there, but I, I don't think that they're going to be super aggressive in, in the trade market. That being said, if they are going to trade, I think DeBrusque and Frederick are the first two gone, which is like, it sucks to say, but I think yeah, those, see, I they're great trade bait. That's the thing. Cause their values are still high enough. DeBrusque is absolutely the first guy gone. I don't, no necessarily that Frederick's right behind him. I don't like I don't know if they're gonna end up it'd be weird to me if they traded him just because like why would you sign a guy to a two year contract and then trade him immediately? Like that feels a little weird because you could have just traded his RFA rights, right? Like yeah. that's the only thing that makes sense to me. But um Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting, man. But I mean uh, Olmark four years five million per almost makes me feel like Tuka's either retiring or going somewhere else. Might be. Because I like I don't understand how you work that in, right? Because unless you know, unless Tuka has made it clear that like let's get it like Swayman is NHL ready. He is ready to be up for a full season. I think Swayman should be your guy. Yeah, I mean, he is the future goaltender, absolutely. But, like, you wouldn't, like, say Tuca had communicated that he wants to play for two more years and then he's going to retire after that. I don't think that you would sign Allmark to four by five, right? Like, five million starter money. They're paying him to be the starter. You don't pay a guy five million dollars to be a backup. Yeah, that's true. Right? So it just doesn't fully makes sense to me. Like, there are a lot of questions. Tuka's name has been floated around in either trade or retirement discussions for seasons upon seasons now. 
at this point, it might it might finally start to become a reality that like he his career might be over. He might be retiring. This could be the last straw for him in terms of like, to, is he really going to go through all this rehab again? You know, to, to only finish out this year because his days and his seasons definitely are numbered at this point. I Absolutely. Would, I, would say. I mean, he's. He's on the back end of his career. Yeah, so this it could be it. And the Bruins might the Bruins obviously know something that we don't. Um yeah. by giving Allmark that contract. So right. maybe maybe Rask is done in Boston. You know what? I would kind of invite that uh at this point. I think if you it's it's kinda of like how I felt about Brady. Like, thankful for the times that he was here. Unbelievable player, you know, brought us to through some pretty insane playoff runs in his day came in in situations that he necessarily wasn't supposed to be in back in Tim Thomas day when Tim Thomas got hurt and we had to start like Rask's been here longer than people remember. Um, but I yeah, think when it's time really, to move on, it's time to move on and you have to start planning for the future without him. And that that's what this deal is to me. I hope he retires. I really do. I don't want to see him play for another team just I because I feel like, will. I feel like he's the type of guy that's just going to go out there and dominate. Like he's gonna be that he's gonna do that flurry shit where he goes out there at age thirty whatever flurry's age is and yeah he's just on a fucking revenge tour yeah like I feel like that's what he's gonna end up doing just because Tuca to me gets way too much hate like there's no question in 2013 that we don't make it to the cup without him there's no question in 2019 we don't make it to the cup without him right like it's just. And then people hate on him for no reason. Because, yes, he is super streaky. He can be super streaky. But there's no denying the fact that the guy turns it on when you need him to. Yeah. No, and, and he has. And he really is never, like like you said, he's inconsistent. He's been kind of flaky. He's been streaky. But I feel like in the moments where you've needed him, he has never not shown up. I guess you could say game seven against the Blues is, is probably the only blemish. his own fault. Like, that's, like Two goals on four he, shots. The entire team played like crap. Agreed, but two goals on four shots. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, some argument for I, for a different day. Yeah. Um, I want to do a whole like episode, probably next episode, of just strictly once all this shit comes out and like we have a better idea of like who's going where and what teams are gonna look like. Do a whole free agency breakdown of the NHL, but I need to talk about college football. Yes. And Furlow and I are golfing in, I, I don't even know how long, but I'm just going to, let's let's quickly talk about college football. An absolute bombshell was dropped on the college football universe late last week, early this week. And when it was dropped, it opened up the biggest can of worms, probably in college football history. Um, Texas and Oklahoma, it was rumored that they were going to, they were going to inform the Big 12 that they were going to leave the Big 12 with hopes of joining the SEC. That, this Monday, this past Monday, becomes true. They notify the Big 12 that after the 2025 season, they will not be renewing their media rights, and they asked the SEC for an invitation to join for the 2025-2026 season, I believe. Texas and Oklahoma did that. When that news broke, every team and their mother tried to leave their conference. There were Big Ten teams that were talking to the SEC. The SEC was going after Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, Pac-12 teams wanting to leave and join the Big Ten, Big 12 teams wanting to leave and join the the Pac-12, non-Power 5s looking to join the Big 12. Utter chaos broke out 
all because Texas and Oklahoma left the, are, are planning on, had informed the Big 12 that they were going to leave and potentially join the SEC uh, with hopes of joining the SEC. Now what you have on your hands. I can live with Texas and Oklahoma being in the SEC. I don't understand why they'd want to do that. And that's the question. That's probably the biggest question I'd have. And I know what the answer is, but I don't think the answer is legitimate enough to qualify the question. Why would Texas and Oklahoma want to do this? I know the answer. Everyone is saying, oh, it's going to increase their revenue. It's going to be better for like recruiting, better competition. That, to me, is not a good enough reason for a team like Oklahoma to want to leave the Big 12. Oklahoma wins the Big 12 every year and gets an automatic buy into the college football playoff and still gets to play against SEC teams and is probably one of the, the more premier teams in college football that can recruit like nobody's business and that can sell tickets like nobody's business. I don't think that they have a problem with revenue or recruiting. Sure, maybe your revenue and recruiting, it definitely will increase if you go to the SEC, but what's going to decrease is the value of your program. I don't think you're going to be performing any better in the SEC. You're not going to win an SEC championship anytime soon. The college football playoff is expanded, but I don't even know if we're going to have a college football playoff anymore because everyone wants to join the SEC now. So the issue with the mega conference that the SEC is talking about doing, if teams like Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan all join the SEC, then what the fuck is the point of the college football playoff? There is no point in the college football playoff if they all join because the SEC championship is going to be the college football playoff. All the teams that make the college football playoff, except for fucking Notre Dame, are going to be in the SEC. So what's the point? Like, literally, what is the point? What are you Sorry, at? someone just lit off a firecracker of some kind. I wasn't <laughs> really expecting it. I just see it. I didn't hear it, but your reaction to it was priceless. Yeah, so someone, so, you know, my, my parents are middle-aged white people, right? So when they walk the dog, they make friends with the other people who have dogs. And one of the people that they are friends with who has a dog almost got nailed by a firecracker that this kid across the street set off. Oh, nice. And Apparently it was a homemade like firecracker, so just real dangerous stuff that they got going. This family's got all sorts of issues. Like it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, but yeah. Um, so my bigger thing with this whole college football thing is, have you heard the discussions around expanding the college football playoff? Yeah. So it's already expanded. So what's ex- expanded to? I believe it's twelve teams as of this year. Okay. I am okay with 12 because theoretically that means what? Three rounds? Four? Something like that? Like, I can look at it. I saw someone bra- uh, do a bracket yesterday. Because let's think about this. It would be. Oh, the Big 12 also just sent a cease and desist to ESPN. For what? For uh, slander. Apparently, the ESPN coverage of all this shit has been damaging the, the conference. Okay. I'll say this. I think the Big 12's done. Yeah, I mean... You just lost your two premier teams. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't... Like, at this point... I don't know. It's so College football's so weird. But uh, So my thing with the college football playoff expanding, I'm okay with it expanding to an extent. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think 12 teams is okay. I think I'd prefer to see 8. Like, I think that... 
eight makes a little bit more sense because that way it's no eight team. Yeah. You start with eight, then you're at four, then you're at two, and then you get a champion. Like it's really quick and easy that way. But my worry is the more we expand the playoff, the less regular season games you're going to be seeing. And then you're going to all of a sudden, like you got to play six games and all of a sudden, that's it, right? Then it's playoff time, right? Because they don't want, yeah. like, they're not going to make these kids play 16 games in college. Like, the wear and tear on their bodies is going to be ridiculous. Like, that's just a ridiculous schedule to make any college athlete hold up to. Like, No, I agree with that, but I do think that it needed to be expanded from four. But I, agree. I think that's- you're also, you are now, if you, if, you, if you transition to this mega conference in three, four seasons, how many ever it is, I think you're just... You're countering the the issue that you're fixing by expanding the playoffs. So if you if you expand, right. I think it's twelve but teams as of this year. I think also, it should be eight, but it should. Be. I think it, I think eight is the right number. But there's also the concept of like if you end up seeing a lot more teams go to the SEC by expanding the playoff, you're making it less necessary to win your conference to make it in, right? Well, yeah, so, and the other thing too is that the cultural playoff is going to be essentially obsolete if you go to a mega conference because i have a hard time believing that the sec if they go to 20 teams they're going to do an sec championship i think they're going to do a tournament with probably top four teams so like look at in past years all the teams that have been in the four-team college football playoff are all in with the exception of notre dame who will remain independent forever are all included in this mega conference proposal Literally every single team the SEC has reached out to. Teams like Florida State, teams like Oregon, teams like Clemson, teams like Ohio State, teams like Michigan. The SEC is targeting all of those teams. So what are you going to – are you going to have an an SEC championship race with all the teams that are already going to be in the college football playoff? Like that's detrimental to college football. If, let's say, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama – Oklahoma. Let's just say that those are your top four because they because they usually are. That's that that's been the top four like four out of last five years is Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. If they're all SEC and they're all competing for the SEC championship, why would I care to watch a college football playoff if they've all just played against each other to win the SEC? Makes no sense. So yes, I'm pro expanding the college football playoff because it allows for teams, especially non-power fives who could compete with power fives to make it into a college football playoff and compete for a national championship. Because there's been such a barrier around the college football playoff with like Clemson and Ohio state making it every single year. And then Bama sprinkled in, you know, Bama has either a, a year where they're number one or they miss the college football playoff. And then Oklahoma has been in there and the Notre Dame. There's, 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 never the been, there's never been a year of the college football playoff in which Alabama, Ohio State, or Clemson did not make it. Exactly. So that's the issue. Is there's just there's no there's no room for any other team to make it in. So I think expanding the college football playoff with power five conferences is really good because you can take all your conference champions and then have a few wild cards in there. And there, are, like people are saying, like why would you put a team in just for them to lose? You don't know for sure. That, that a team like Cincinnati would lose this year. You just yeah, can't any, say definitively. Anyone that they would who lose. says 
that they, why would you put the team in, hasn't watched any given Sunday, didn't pay attention in the 2018 Super Bowl? Right? That's right. Or was it 2017? 28 which to three. one? 28 to 3. Which, which game? 28 to 3. Oh, Falcons. 2017. 2017, thank you. It's like, didn't pay attention to the 2017 Super Bowl you know, never has never watched sports. Saw, it's never it's has ever watched the girl sports. who was commenting about Simone Biles. That's who makes yeah. the same comment. Yeah, it's, it's the same people. It's the same someone who just doesn't know sports sitting here and saying like, oh, why would you expand the playoff just for everyone to lose to Alabama? It's like, well, that's not the case. Yeah, it's, Alabama it's, hasn't made it every year. Alabama hasn't won the last seven national championships. Right. So you can't definitively say that if, if Cincinnati, who had who was a non-Power 5, who had an extremely good year this year, if they make it into the college football playoff, you can't tell me that they would definitively lose. Yeah, Alabama's probably heavily favored in that game if it's like a one-versus-an-eight seed, but you can't it's, – it's one game, too. That's the great thing about the college football playoff. It's one game. We're not playing series here. It's not best of whatever. It's one game, and anything could happen in that one game. We've seen some crazy upsets in college football. The 2007 season, I watched a documentary about it the other day, was ridden with upsets, left and right. So you can't sit here and tell me that one of those non-Power 5s or even a Pac-12 team, because people view the Pac-12 as the lowest Power 5. You can't tell me that, that one of those teams wouldn't give a Bama or a Clemson or an Ohio State a run for their money. So I think... Expanding the college football playoff is a brilliant idea and something that people have wanted for a long time. Here's the issue, and here's where I think if this mega conference goes through, which I hope it doesn't, and I don't think it will, I think you're going to see a similar thing to the UEFA Super League happen, where like they might approve it, and then everyone's just going to be like, we're not watching college football anymore, and then they're going to figure out a way to fix it. But if this mega conference happens in the SEC, I think it's probably the end of college football as we know it. Because all the premier teams are just going to be in the SEC. So at that point, what's the point of having other conferences? The SEC is going to be NCAA football. You're not going to – if if Ohio State and Michigan are out of the Big Ten, if Clemson's out of the ACC, if Texas and Oklahoma are out of the Big 12, what, what does that leave us? Outside of the SEC, what are we watching? You just lost all of your top teams in all those conferences. Right. So, and the way- so what? Why would I watch a Big Ten game between like Rutgers and Iowa? That, right. No offense to Iowa, because like, like you know, I had my history there. I'm not going to. I'm going to watch the SEC instead. Right. That, and that you- that's just what's going to happen is and kudos to the SEC because they're taking advantage of a huge situation here where they're just targeting everybody. But it, it it is going to be the end of college football if we know it. If this mega if this mega conference gets passed. It is the death of college football and the birth of the SEC controlling collegiate athletics, in my yeah, opinion. I mean, when you look at it, too, the, like, obviously the big ticket thing to do would be make everybody be independent, get rid of all of the conferences, and then just have a rotating schedule. But then, you know, it there are a lot of teams who, you know, they could really use that exposure that they get from the television deals and the money that they get from the television deals where, like, you know, um, you know, a, a Rutgers that's in the Big Ten that probably really benefits from any revenue sharing and TV deals that the Big Ten has, yeah. all of a sudden they're not going to be able to be competitive. You know, you're, you could see a team drop down, right? And so it's, you know, conferences are necessary, but I think that we need to – and it's weird, too, because, like, you know, Oklahoma isn't exactly 
southeast, right? Like the entire. No. Well, Ohio State is fucking in, and Michigan are just not in the south. Right. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. Right? That's like, why it's, it's becoming the NCAA football conference and not the SEC. Right. It needs to be. We need to re. There needs to be some sort of redistribution of the Power Five conferences that makes a little bit more sense and is a little bit cleaner regionally. Yeah, I mean, my biggest issue is that all these conferences take the SEC out of it because obviously the SEC is benefiting from this. All the other Power Five conferences, um, and we'll see what happens with the Big Twelve. They might not even be a conference anymore, so it could be Power Four. But they're all, as of right now, they're all losing their lifeblood. The lifeblood of the Big Ten is Michigan and Ohio State. There is not a single other team that can sell tickets or carry like they do. Michigan has no right to be in the SEC. Zero. No, not at all. Like <laughs> Ohio State, like well, they're going to get killed too. If we want to say Ohio State is, or sorry, the SEC is like the premier conference, which to be fair, it kind of is. It like is. I, Clemson, if they wanted to leave the ACC, deserves. You know, Ohio. Yeah, but I don't State, think they should. Right, right. I'm not it. saying whether or not they should. Yes, they deserve it though. Yes, Ohio State deserves. Oklahoma, you can say, deserves because they've been perennially in that conversation of the college football playoff. Texas, no. Like, when was the last time Texas had less than four losses in a season? Like, they've just been atrocious. They've been horrible. Like, ever since Vince Young left, essentially, they've been awful. And, you know, Michigan, ever since Harbaugh got there, hasn't done anything. Like, when was the last time they beat Ohio State? I can't name the last time that Michigan has either beaten Ohio State or been competitive enough to be in the Big Ten championship. Like it's it's literally it's just it's it's a joke at this point, and it reminds me of that stupid soccer super league yeah. that they tried to put together, and it failed for the same reason because it was literally just people trying to make more money. Like it doesn't yeah. make any sense because it doesn't, and like you you are literally you're going to lose like. To say, okay, I understand that the SEC is the premier conference in college football, and I think that, like, they're kind of far and away, like, they have the biggest draws, just in terms of, like, the stadiums, the players, the right. weather. It's just better. But it, it is not in any way a slight to the Big Ten or, or, or to the ACC at all, because they're premier college football, too, especially Big Ten football. Those teams coming out of the Midwest are good and competitive, and I think that they're good and competitive for a reason is because they're playing in the Big Ten. Exactly. And they're playing against an Ohio State who is, you know, take a COVID year out of it. You can play out-of-conference games against these other Power Fives, and you have huge out-of-conference games sometimes. So they're really, in my opinion, there's no need to leave your conference. Like, like what's the – what do you – I don't even understand what the benefit is for – like I said, oh, Texas – why? Why would Texas ever want to leave the Big 12? They can't even win the Big 12. They're they're just a joke of a program. The fact that they want to leave the Big 12 and join the SEC just to lose even more games in a season and become even even more of a joke is laughable that Texas actually wants that to happen. Oklahoma, I can understand the incentive behind it because they're in the college football playoff every year. They can compete with an Alabama. They can compete with a Florida and LSU. So I understand Oklahoma wanting to do it, but then again, 
you get a free buy into the college football playoff every year because you're winning the Big 12. It's not like you wouldn't play against some of those SEC teams or those Big 10 teams or, or ACC ever. So, like, why would you want to join the SEC and tank the Big 12 and then go to the SEC and never win the SEC? It doesn't make sense. They'd probably make it into the college football playoff as a wild card. But there's no chance Oklahoma would win the SEC, especially if you add teams like Clemson and Ohio State. That, in my opinion, is what they're trying to do, is make the SEC championship more competitive. Because the SEC championship for years has been Alabama. For the most part, right? Hasn't Alabama been in it every year, at least? Either Bama, LSU, Bama, Florida. It was Bama, Florida this year, right? Uh, I think the only I, I think the only years that they haven't been in it SEC. are Bama, Florida this year, right? Had to have been. There was no, no other team in the SEC. I, I didn't LSU beat them. No, LSU was trash. It was, it LSU was beat Florida. It, it was Florida because Trask was the whole big deal, right? Like right. Oh, LSU beat oh, Florida yeah, with the game. shoe throwing yeah, incident. Yeah, 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 but yeah, the yeah. SEC championship was Alabama and Florida. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so Bama's been in it every year. Whether they win it or not, even the year that LSU went to the national championship, I think they beat Bama in the SEC. Yes. So is that literally like they're just trying to make the they're, they they are trying, in my opinion, the SEC is trying to make the SEC championship the college football playoff. Because now you have a potential for the SEC championship to be Bama Clemson or Bama Ohio State, whereas that's usually your national championship. That's now your SEC championship. That's what they're trying to do. It's bullshit. Oh, we should probably get going. Yeah, All right. <laughs> final update on the podcast. Bruins officially have $1 million. Sorry, $1,089,326 of cap room. More. More. Uh, they just got rid of Vladar. Mm, this is including Vladar. And also, I don't know that he technically counts against the cap because he's in um, the um, They, just, they, they just gave him a, a way to the Flames. Yeah, but they got a third round pick for him, which I wouldn't yeah. call giving him away. Like that's a pretty solid return. But so this is now they had four point eight pre announcement of the official terms on Felino. Felino got three point eight. Um, so that brings us down to just over one million. So if they somehow trade John Moore and um, uh, DeBrusque, that would clear up seven million in cap. So we would be up to eight which would make it realistically possible to bring in one Jack Eichel or Tuka Rask. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. Um, all right. We'll do an episode sooner than later on all of this NHL stuff and more updates in the sports world, Olympics, college football, NFL we need to talk about too. Aaron Rodgers is a bitch. Um, we'll save that for episode 81. But this has been episode 80. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for 5,000 followers on Instagram. And thank you to Texas and Oklahoma for contributing to our 5,000 followers on Instagram for leaving the Big 12 and allowing us a great content spot. So, yeah, thank you boys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Uh, oh, wait, what's that thing? Oh, yeah. We'll see you on the flippity flip side. Yeah, the flippity flip I have to say that at the end of every, every episode, don't I? Yeah. We'll see you on the flippity flip side. Yeah. Bye.